This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I'm joined once again with Jim Sebastio. Hey, Jim. Uh, hi, Brian. So we need to acknowledge to everybody before we get started, Jim is okay. In other words, we started getting messages from the last <laughs> podcast. We had like a gap for like a five-second just silence, and I had somebody write me, is I, Jim okay? Is something happened to him? And but what by happened, the way, is it what you? happened why, was why couldn't I was, it be me? I was so boring that Brian fell asleep. <laughs> and I had to as slowly having some narcolepsy issues <laughs> in, in the podcast. No, so everybody, just so you know, Jim is okay. He's doing well. We're gonna we're gonna plug on here, which should remind you guys. And and I know by the way, we we do this on purpose. Uh, we joke about it, it. That's part of the charm of our podcast, and yet it just shows how technically. Uh, illiterate we are. No, well, what with, happened was we don't was, edit our podcast. Right, well, so. and what happened was because we're we are on a we're in a storefront of a street here, uh, and uh, people can see in, and uh, and somebody was waving at us, trying to get our attention. Yeah, uh, in the parking outside. lot right here. Yeah, and, and so that's happened <laughs> twice now. Somebody's either tried to walk in while we're po- doing the podcast, or. I was waving to we, us on the street. We clearly so. don't have the protocol down. We kind of just were in shock. <laughs> so we just stopped talking and then paused. So anyways, the high-tech practical shepherding headquarters, that's what we do here. But obviously we've done so much on me being in weakness that people just assume something <laughs> happened to me. For some reason, they were all worried about you, which is okay. Uh, but we're going to jump right into to topic. If you um, want some more information on the ministry or ways we can help you, you can go to practicalshepherding.com and you can find articles, resources, books, uh, you can apply to come stay at the Shepherd's House. While, uh, while you're there at the website, you can also give a donation. Go to the donate page and help us financially. We'd love for you to, uh, to help us in any way we can and let us know how we can help you. You can contact us. Go to the contact page there as well. Uh, Jim, we want to tackle a topic today that, uh, that we know a lot of pastors are dealing with in this season right now. As we're recording this, you know, we're, we're towards the end of June, so we're just starting to really get into the middle of summer. And something every pastor, I'd say without exception, every pastor deals with to some degree or not, is the summer lull. People go on vacation, school's out, people are outside. I've heard of people who pastor in in more northern contexts, in the United States at least, where there's about four months where the weather's just stunningly beautiful, and it's bitter cold the other like eight months of the year. Right. And so a lot of times the congregation for four months literally scatters you know they go and they don't just go on vacation like they go and stay at the lake for three months or whatever they're they're doing and so we know that summer is often a time where there's a lull in attendance in activity uh in connecting with the your people and i remember i experienced this all the time and you've told me that, that you have as well you miss getting to see your people. Like you just wonder, is there? The, you almost have to prepare yourself that there's not going to be a Sunday where everybody's there for right. about three months because of all this travel and summer activities and all those kinds of things. So we want to talk about that. H- how do you deal with that summer lull, and uh, how do you not get discouraged as a pastor? When mm. because obviously we can let's assume that every pastor desires the whole church to gather together right. at least once a week on that Sunday morning. And as a pastor, that, that's that's kind of that's the high point, obviously. Bring everybody together to hear the word, to worship together. And when everybody's scattered and it doesn't happen, it, it, it really is disconcerting for a pastor and can grow even discouraging. So let's talk about this. Jim, when you set it up biblically as far as what's a text that would, would maybe set up this conversation that we want to have? Yeah, so obviously, again, there's there's no one text in the scriptures that talks about summer vacations. That's kind of a, a, a you know a fairly recent thing, I would think, on the 
uh, on the landscape. But the scriptures do speak about, and I and I and I and I'm not trying to misuse, obviously, or abuse the scriptures. But there is something of this in season and out of season, and and and, yeah. and I think in season out of season means that when things are going well and when things are not going well, you also find an exhortation. So that that's Second Timothy chapter four. You are, you have an exhortation that the Apostle Paul gives in Ephesians five. It's often translated as redeeming the time. Yeah, uh, and, and the word there for time is a word that actually refers to seasons or seasons of life or sessions of life. And it's the idea of making the most of them, to making the most of certain times of life. And so I think there's some application there. Uh, Ecclesiastes talks about, you know, there's a time to uh, gather stones, there's a time to throw them. There's a, there, you know, there's a time to uh, reap, there's a time to sow. So there's that different times of life call for different responses. Now, the difference of this is that it's not, it's not necessarily, I mean, in some sense, it's providential. But it's a cultural, this is a cultural thing, and, it, and it's a cultural choice, and our people, by and large, are going to participate in that, kids off of school and uh, different, uh, as you mentioned, outdoor activities and other things are going to draw people away far more consistently uh, than is the norm uh, the other part of the year. So if there's going to be a time when there are a good number of empty seats, and particularly if you have a smaller church, and you have a smaller church, one family being gone is significant. Yeah. If two families are gone or three families are gone, uh, it, it it sometimes it, it makes it it can make it difficult to preach. The singing is different. The whole ethos of the church is different. Uh, trying to scramble to find Sunday school teachers, worship leaders, all, you know, particularly if you're dependent upon volunteers, and somebody comes and says, "Well, we're gone for two weeks, you know, family vacation, or we're at the lake." Uh, and and the question is, you know, how how do you respond? And and I have some thoughts on that. But again, to Brian, that's that's kind of the the yeah. basic setup. Of yeah, that. that's good. And I, I think we also have to add to that, Jim, the how how deeply so many have drank deep from the from the church growth fountain, to where we we get more encouraged when there's just more people, and we naturally get discouraged when there's less people. Sure, uh, but I don't know that that's so much. I mean, that can be, I think, for some, but. I mean, I've, it's not, I, I you're right. it's not find, just a numbers thing. Yeah, it's, 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 it's missing know, people. It's, it's missing, missing people. people. Yeah, and, you sure. know, again, it affects the singing of hymns and yeah, songs right. and spiritual songs is different. That's true. If there's 50 people, if there are 10, yeah. if there's 100 versus if there's 40, you know, so, you That's know, a good but, point. but, and again, these are the, the you are as a pastor, um, particularly of a smaller church, you know everybody. And when you're preparing your sermon, you prepare it with them in mind. I mean, they're, they're, you carry them yeah, with that's you. Right. And, and, and sometimes you think, oh, this this might really help brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. I know they've been struggling. I hope this is really encouraging. And, and they're not there. And they're not there. <laughs> right. And, and, and when and, that, that chips away, when that yeah, happens several it, it, times. It can you know? be deflating yeah, absolutely. and, and okay. really discouraging. So, so let's go. I want to go a couple places with this conversation. Number one, I think I want us to talk about, you know, what just logistically – what does a pastor do during these lull times? Do you just press that much more into it and just push people to really try to be there and you keep with the same routine? Or do you just recognize this is a part of the life of the church, these these ebbs and flows? Mm-hmm. So we need to adjust the church calendar, the activity calendar, all those kinds of things. So I, I want to and then I want to talk about just how does a pastor deal with 
uh, this just going through these seasons and how naturally discouraging it can be if you don't come approach it with the right expectation. So let's first go to that logistical place of, okay, so so what do you think, Jim? Do, should a pastor uh, adjust the schedule and the activities of the church around this? Do you, do you just recognize that some couple families are going to be gone to the lake twice a month, uh, or and and then you adjust things? No, you know, or do you do you press into it and go? You know what? We're gonna we're not going to accommodate people who are going on vacation six weeks for the summer. We're gonna we're gonna keep doing what we're doing and make people feel like they're missing something if they're not here. I mean, like those are two different mentalities. Yeah, and I I think Brian, you you're dealing with a tension here and. Uh, on the one hand, you're wanting people to view the weekly gathering of the saints on the Lord's Day uh, as uh, as really the prime event of their week. Right. I mean, that you know, I think if we're all biblically speaking, if we think biblically, it would be hard to have too high an estimation of the church and of the local church and of the gathering of the saints on the Lord's Day. Christ is there walking among the candlesticks, and we read in the book of Revelation. It's the habitation of God in the Spirit. Uh, and there is, a, there is this tension that you want to feel sometimes of like, you don't want people missing a lot of it because it, it may show or demonstrate a low view of what the church is, what my part in the church is, do I really matter? And sometimes it can be the idea, well, I'm just I'm just an ear and I'm not an eye or I'm a, I'm a foot and not a hand or, you know, whatever it is. That yeah. you, I'm not really essential. Church is going to go on you know, with me or without me. And in some ways, yes, it will. But when you when you don't view the when people don't view the gathering of the saints, when they don't view the ministry of the word uh, in, in a way that is right and biblical, that is that, yeah, I'll be gone half the summer and and. Uh, church is, is meaningless almost, uh, or I go when it's convenient. That's worthy of instruction and, and, and rebuke to mm. some degree. I got to mm. be careful with that. On the other hand, it's the recognition <clears throat> that this is the world in which we live and the society in which we live. And you don't want people there out of uh, being berated and guilt manipulation or terrified to miss church because they feel that they've committed right. the unpardonable sin. Right, right. So I, mean, I think there's, you know, there's some tension there in that for some, the, the need to get away, the need to be with family is necessary. It might, we might need to do that. We might need to get away and we might need to spend some time with our families that will necessitate missing a Lord's Day, uh, you know, maybe being at another church or or you know, perhaps even sometimes you're not going to be at church at all on, on a given Sunday. That, that might happen sometimes. Okay, so we're talking summertime. So what are you doing this summer? What do you guys do? Do you adjust your church calendar or no? Uh, we have begun to to some degree. You haven't historically, though. I have not historically. And some of this came out of uh, the COVID reset. Yeah, sure. And that is, so one of the things that happened when we did take – we took a few weeks off, like like most, if not everybody, virtually. We did take a few weeks off, uh, and when we gathered, we started gathering back initially uh, because you're trying to figure things out. It was we're, we met in the morning, live streamed at night, with the exception of a few folks that were there, uh, and then uh, it was actually a good number of months in before we restarted Sunday school. 
Okay. Uh, but with that came a change of our, our normal schedule. So for 30 years, we were 9.30 to 10.30, Sunday school, half an hour break, morning worship at 11, evening worship at 6. So we've undergone, oh, so this is a, our real radical change, you know. So we started doing <laughs> Sunday school at 10, okay. 10 to 10.45, and then morning worship at 11, and then moved the evening worship service back to 5 uh, to allow people to have more time at night with their families or for fellowship. Okay. But one of the things we did, because we, we had taken Sunday, Sunday school off for an extended period of time, when we came back, we not only we adjusted when we had it and how long we had it, but we built in two breaks. And so we're, we now take a, a break in Sunday school between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And part of that's to give the teachers a break, but also it's a recognition. A lot of people are traveling now. Huh. There's a lot of instability. And you didn't and make so, any of these adjustments for all that time, but now you are making. Yeah, them. we did. And then now we uh, we take uh, June and July and I think part of mm-hmm. August off. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it allows those who are, we're not a we're not a huge church, uh, so we have some that we're teaching Sunday school month in month out, year in year out. And this gives them a bit of a break from teaching, and it, and it does allow for this schedule because you're, you're pouring yourself in, and, and if you know you're teaching a kid Sunday school class, and two kids are showing up over the summer, or three kids are showing up because ten of them are gone on vacation or something yeah. like that. Uh, so that was an adjustment we made. Uh, it's kind of in a, it's in an experimental phase. We. Uh, a recent survey we did of the church, and we sent out. We used um, uh, a thing called Survey Monkey. Uh, we sent out a series of questions, and and most of the people were supportive of this. We do allow. We do have during this uh, summer for those who want to. Ten o'clock, we're showing uh, the series Dust to Glory by R.C. Sproul, uh, but it doesn't require uh, preparation of a Sunday school teacher. Somebody's there to facilitate and answer. You know, we do questions and whatnot, but. That gives so that's an acknowledgement that summertime's funky, yeah. uh, and it's different and distinct. So one of the ways that we did that is give the teachers the time off, have a later start time. Uh, so we, so for for most Sunday uh, morning starts at eleven, okay, rather than the old time at nine thirty. Okay, so I have to ask, I, I because no, I've known you a long time, and by the way, I'm su- I'm very supportive of what you just articulated. We did something very similar. I can talk about it in a minute, but like. But what's what's happening? Like, are you getting soft? Like, what changed? You know, thirty years of not doing it. When you look back, what made you make this adjustment? I mean, I, I know COVID changed some things, but yeah. like, it, like Reform Baptist man, like you guys yeah, you right. do your We're thing, supposed, you know. So everything's chiseled what, in so, stone. And clearly, you I, again. I think it's I think it's wise and pastoral for you to be doing what you're doing. But what did you not think about it? Five years ago, ten years ago, just or no, wanted I, to make a statement, a no, different well, statement. Well, wasn't that you know I I had thought about it because I knew churches that were doing it, particularly okay. uh, churches in the UK okay. that did that. And oh yeah, because they have so I holidays knew, all summer, and yeah. I knew other churches that did a they altered their summer schedule of Sunday school, and so what they started, what they did was they offered they I mean, they had Sunday school, but they. Uh, offered a variety of classes, smaller yeah. classes on like maybe apologetics, church history, this kind of a thing, just so that the regular pattern, recognizing that people are going to be missing so much of what the regular pattern was. Yeah, yeah. So that's one thing that we've altered. Now I haven't altered we at all the the preaching schedule. Okay. Um, so what I was, so you keep what going I was, with I that. just I just keep going. So I don't do a summertime series. 
uh, either in the morning or in the or in the evening. We haven't done that, although I think that's one way. As we talk about ways you can possibly adjust to that, mm-hmm. is to have perhaps a series of more topical uh, uh, ministries as opposed to a consecutive ministry, so that if somebody is is gone a few times over the summer and you're preaching through Colossians and they heard chapter one, but they're going to miss chapter two and part of chapter come three. Come back at chapter four. And you come back and like, <laughs> hey, what happened? You know, kind of a thing. So I'm fully supportive of what you're talking about. We did something similar, really unapologetically. But I have to say in the early years, I did fight against it. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I it did part of me did feel like people were less committed in certain times and i didn't want to cater to that right but i had to but i have to acknowledge as our church moved to a healthier place in later years you know i started to realize this is not a reflection of lack of commitment this is this is trying to support people's balance of rest and time together as a family and those kinds of things so we have the, the a similar rhythm in our church was you know, i knew people were pretty much scattering again louisville kentucky and so you have, and we had a lot of younger families, so summer students, you know, summer uh, don't have any family who live here. So that's the time they, they scatter and go travel and see their families. So June and July and December were pretty much those three months, we had very little activity other than just morning worship and some of the basic things that we would do Sunday school and that kind of stuff. But as time went on, uh, we, uh, we, like in the month of July, became the month I, you know, I took the month of July off my last four yeah. years at the church. So uh, somebody else was preaching. So no series stuff in June, July, and December every year. So I would be dedicated to a, preaching through a book all spring, all fall. and But that would be the rhythm of the church. And it ended up working really well, especially once we found the rhythm. We didn't fight against it. And we stuck to it so people could expect it. And what I found with that is, there was a, there was good breathing room that took place. So for, to your example, we had teachers. We we gave you know a month off from that, and like July we didn't have any Sunday school. We just had you know we just had church, yeah. and actually a fellowship time before that actually was really sweet for the people who were around and, and did that. But what we discovered is when August revved back up, or when January revved back up, that people had a little bit of of rest and a way to breathe and step back and. They were actually at a better place to really engage. And our church fellowship and just culture moved to an even healthier place by giving these breaks that we had and taking advantage of it in the summer and not fighting against it. Yeah, and, and I think what the danger, or again, what, what you can begin to think of is, is this is this declension, is this a sign of compromise? And we had to deal with that. I mean, some people were like, what's going on? Why would we, why would we do this? And... You know, again, for for our part, uh, it was giving the uh, uh, the teachers a bit of a break and, and the recognition that some of that rest uh, is is healthy. You know, maybe part of it. You know, going from when you're in your uh, starting here when you're in your mid twenties to now, you know, uh, you know, pushing sixty. Yeah. Uh, and you say to yourself, you know what, that that little bit of extra is is a help. Uh, yeah. Is a help to me and. It's a help to the congregation, and and what you're doing, you know, the, the I mean, the purpose of rest is so that you can labor. That's yeah. that's meant to be the purpose of rest. It is re, re, recreation, recreation. It's to strengthen you to be able to do uh, your duty better yeah. uh, as you get back to it. And I think you make a good point, and that's something we I, I really want people to to hear with this is that it's not a lack of commitment to 
church or the word to back off and not do as much if you're doing it for a reason to try to foster a uh, an aspect of recreation and rest and fellowship. We found when we backed off on some church activities, people were in each other's homes more. So you yeah, just, that's your hope. So so I mean, that's your hope. It's not always going to happen. But I'm saying a lot of times, pa- pastors, churches don't aren't willing to take the risk maybe to back off on church activities, afraid that's not going to happen. But if you don't create the margin in some way, you can't expect people to just create it on their own like that. A lot of times, mm-hmm. people have this much margin. This is what they're going to do. I'll never forget in the early years of the church where our church was not healthy and not at a good place to evaluate these things. The first real just subtle step towards, hey, let's try to be mindful of families to be together. On Easter Sunday, we had conversations about canceling church on East in the evening. Right. Um, so people, because so many people wanted to do family stuff in the afternoon and evening. And so we just proposed it. I remember it was my year two or three or something. And, and, and just a, uh, a very curmudgeon type uh, person stood up and said, um, I don't understand. There's, there's nothing more, there's nothing better for us to do than to celebrate the resurrection twice on Easter. You know, like it, it, it just kind of came and uh, didn't see any of the reasons we were even entertaining this right. idea. And so, so I was think that me who said that? It wasn't you, okay. but I don't know. Was that no? I'm saying it was somebody in our. It was somebody in our church that stood up in a in a members meeting and said, you know, I thought Easter is when we celebrated the resurrection, and then somebody had a snarky set, statement of, well, actually, every week is when we celebrate the resurrection. That conversation went really well, by the way. After that, yeah, so it you sounds can like imagine. that was good. Anyways, so this, but this is the the kind of thing that you you actually teach and train a congregation to not just use the time well if you're not going to have it, but how. I mean, it's it's about teaching them what can you do. So we would say things like, we cancel evening service so you can be in each other's homes all afternoon kind of thing. When you when you were able to encourage an activity like that, we found that people did it. So I want to segue to um, how does a pastor then deal with it? So let's, let's assume most pastors are where we are in that to some degree, we're, we're going to accommodate, like we're not going to fight, totally fight against the fact that you want people to rest, take vacation, see family, all those kinds of things. That doesn't change, Jim, and I found this to be true. doesn't change that you still get discouraged when you look out and, and, right. and a fourth of the church is missing. You prepared a sermon, you poured your heart out the same you always did, and had some people in mind about it, and then they're not there. And then that happens another week and another week right. because people aren't there. You feel like you know when there is, there is a sweet sensation only a pastor knows to come on Sunday morning and to see everybody together in one room, and they all come together to sing, right? And to hear the word preached. Yeah, special the whole moment. family's there. The whole family's there. I mean, there. again, and and that's the difference that we have to say that we're, when when you try to encourage this this view, I think a right and biblical view of the body and family and all of that. Again, you don't want to go too crazy. You don't want to get cultic with it and any of that kind of stuff. But <laughs> at the same time, though, you want to have a high view of what this means and of what worship yeah. is and what the gathering is and your role as a pastor. You're to feed the flock. You're, yeah. you're commanded to feed the flock. And if the flock doesn't want to be there. And again, so I think we have to draw that distinction in regard to... Agreed. So Agreed. frustration and, and dis- disappointment that we can have. I think discouragement is maybe a bit more inward. Frustration is outward. And there is a difference between people who, they love you, they love the church, they're regular attenders, but they're they're on vacation versus the family that has a very light view. that Oh, summers are... We just basically take the summer off. And you think... That's unhealthy. 
and that's worthy of rebuke. And, and that is, it's not befitting for a believer who um, is walking in obedience to Christ. There's a, there's a whole yeah. difference between saying, my Christianity takes a vacation over the summer uh, and somebody saying, I'm going to go visit my, you know, my family or my yep, mother, yep. Or, or we're taking a few days, or we're taking a week away, and we're going to be gone uh, on the Lord's Day. And I, I, I mean, maybe that may sound too strong for some, but I, I, I personally am persuaded that uh, low views of the church and low views of corporate gathering and low views of worship are a, a sign of, um, of spiritual sickness Hmm. Uh, at the very least, yeah. and, uh, and 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 ought to be a cause of concern. So, I think it it can be right to to do some wise, careful uh, probing about if there are a multitude of absences, and you know we we miss you being here. You have a part to play. You're part of the body here. Uh, you know there were. You know, boy, I had I had a word I felt was so encouraging for you. It was you know sad that you weren't there. It's a way you can say that that's self pitying and and guilt manipulating. But I think there's also yeah. a way to be able to share something like that with people you love, that you hope will be effective to somebody saying, you know what, you know, we ought to come back on Saturday, yeah, uh, so that we can be in the Lord's house uh, on the Lord's day with His people. So last thing I want to do is I want us to talk about the pastor in particular. Yeah. So not necessarily what he does about it but I, I want us to focus on okay how does he how does he set expectations how does he you know evaluate what's happening so that it maybe can temper the discouragement and the frustration that comes so any what what's something that helped you in the summertime yeah I mean again it, it's so you, you you preach the word in season out of season so on the one hand so on the one hand maybe nothing changes in that all right I I so I'll back up to say this I have had to learn in many cases to be thankful for who's there, not obsess over who's not there, and yeah. and to preach to good. the people that are there, and, and and so and to recognize, I hold to the sovereignty of God in all things. I'm a big believer in providence, that those that the Lord intended to be there, and That's again recognizing there, the, right. that human fault and other things may be involved in that, mm-hmm. but that those who the Lord intended to hear that message in person are there, and and to That's rest good. content in that. And to be thankful for the continuance of his presence. Uh, he doesn't, he, he's never on vacation. He never slumbers. He never sleeps. He never misses a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that the Savior has, has pledged to be among his people as they gather in his name. So I try to take that encouragement uh, okay. with me. Uh, uh, so that's one thing is I stay the course, prepare the same, preach the same. Uh, and to believe that those that the Lord intends to be there uh, yeah. will be there. So there's a matter of faith there. That's good. Yeah. Oh, here's one for me. Um, I I went ahead and did what they did. <laughs> so that's what. This is one of the <laughs> smartest things I did. My last four years, every July, I took off. Yeah. I, like I vanished for a month, and that became the pattern where people expected it. So it set the church up well to actually let me take time to rest. And that the, that became a wonderful timed event because a lot of other people were gone too, so yeah. you know I had people covering for me. There, people were doing you know the pastoral work was being done and those kind of things. But but I, what better time for me to rest than when a lot of people are scattering and then I yeah. come back and so I actually found it easier to deal with the whole summer lull thing. 
because I wasn't there part of the time. Like, so right. the, I think you, everybody knows, listen to this, that, that they listen to us at any time. I'm really big on pastors need regular time away to rest and to recoup and to get refreshed. So whenever that is, I mean, take it when it's best for you. But I found taking it when other people were gone and there were less activities in the church actually was the easiest time for me hmm. uh, to be gone. So I found that helpful. Something else that helped you, Jim, in dealing with the, the potential discouragement that can come? I think acknowledging it, uh, in, in whether it's in your, your, prayer, your prayer meetings or in the worship service, that uh, you acknowledge the, the, well, the elephant who's not in the room, maybe. You know, the elephant in the room or the elephant that's not in the room. You know, and, and, and to say, um, you know, uh, our, our numbers are down, you know, obviously, you know, during this time we have a number of our folks uh, who are away. Um, you acknowledge that and, and encourage people to pray for them, that the Lord would use this time away to be a, uh, an encouragement and a refreshment to them and then bringing them back to us safely. I think that acknowledges that I see this, I know it, you know it, I know it. Of course, I you know, I'm not just... I don't just get up here and perform uh, regardless of the circumstance in one way. I, I mean, I, I do my labor, but I'm, I'm mindful. I'm, yeah. I'm looking. I know who's there and who's not there. And again, because I'm a pastor who is determined to feed the flock when part of that flock is, is missing, I think to some degree to, to acknowledge that publicly, let people know that uh, I'm aware of this. Uh, it, it it obviously has some effect upon us, uh, but it also acknowledge that I'm not I'm not pronouncing any kind of guilt upon those that are away. Pray that this time would be a help and a refreshment to them. So I think that can be a helpful thing. Yeah, and I appreciate you bringing that up. I do want to make one caveat with this that I think there's a really good way to handle that, and there's a really bad way to handle what you just right. said. And so I just want to reemphasize something you said that. It's very common for a pastor to stand up, especially if he sees visitors there, and is almost apologetic in the mm-hmm. way he speaks mm-hmm. about it. To like, oh, there's really more people here than normal than than we're used. Yeah, right, 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 right. So please hey, don't judge us. Don't on judge us by that. You know, that's so incredibly unhelpful. Like, right. please don't do that. And pastors <laughs> do that all the time, or yes. they do it, in, or they do it when they meet the visitor after the church service. Yeah, but oh, so the, sorry. But yeah. the way you said it, I think, is a good way to acknowledge what is an elephant in the room. You know, I, I used to do this all the time during the pastoral prayer. Uh, there are a number of people who are traveling. Uh, there are some people home that are sick, and we want to take some time and make sure we pray for them during this time. It's like you're acknowledging what people see, but it's not something you want to ever be apologetic about. I think the other thing we need to recognize, Brian, is that we also sometimes are the beneficiary of the summer travel. And that totally. is, yeah, you, you totally. have visitors and, and people coming. So one of the things I anticipate over the summer is that some of our regulars aren't going to be there, but we're also, yeah. we might have, you know, sometimes, you know, three, four families visiting uh, that yeah. are making their way through on their way. You know, they go to the Ark Encounter or the yeah, that's right. Creation Museum or, or, or something like that. And, and they're and they're traveling through and it enhances the worship experience because, yeah. you know, the, and it gives you new opportunities to meet people and hear about yeah. people in churches that you might not have uh, known about. And, and so one of the things I think maybe we could be one way to be aware of that and prepare for that maybe is encourage your congregation that listen um we are likely to have visitors throughout the summer traveling through the summer than, yep. and so let's make sure that you know look we around o- we yeah. look around and open our homes 
if you have the opportunity, hey, you know, if you're going to show hospitality, expect that. What a sweet thing that would be for a family with four kids, and they're looking at maybe $80 at a restaurant, and you say to them, hey, you know, we've got, you know, come on over for some, you know, spaghetti and meatballs or some burgers on the grill. We'd love to have fellowship with you and feed you and send you on your way. You know, that's uh, a fabulous idea, actually, to to almost preempt people, say, hey, there's people that are going to be coming in and out through the summer. Uh, you know, go ahead and make a decision before you come to church that if there's a visitor that you at least are have the capability of inviting them back to your house. I, that's a, I think that's a great thing to, to kind of set up with your church. I have one last one that uh, on ways, it's what things to just take advantage of during this time to help with the discouragement. And that's take advantage of people being gone. In other words, you have less people at church, which means you have uh, opportunities to potentially connect with people at your church you maybe don't have the time to connect with mm. every week. So I remember take it, trying to take full advantage of this to see, wow, like a third of the church is, is gone. Whoever is here, uh, I want to make sure I really get to connect with yeah. them because I maybe don't have that much of a chance in the fall when everybody returns. Mm, good. I found that that really took up something that you can make a discouragement and, and turn it into a, a positive, intentional way to uh, to be able to, to shepherd the people who were there. And then the next week, it's maybe a, a whole other two-thirds of the church, and you do the same thing. And I found that over the summer, I was actually connecting with a lot of people. So, good. all right, so I'm gonna we're, we're going to stop it there, Jim. Will you just take a minute? And pray uh, for pastors. One, just in there to to fight against the discouragement yeah. and to see God's plans and providences even in these seasons. Yeah. Father in heaven, thank you for this time to discuss this issue. And we know that we, in the time past, have faced this discouragement, and and to some degree, sometimes still do. And uh, others are facing it. And Father, pray you'd encourage uh, the hearts of your servants not to grow weary or discouraged uh, over who's not there. Uh, but, Father, to be thankful for who is, and especially for your presence by the Spirit among your people. Thank you, Father, for the uh, opportunities that we may be able to lay hold of, of uh, people visiting through, or the opportunities to minister to a smaller congregation, uh, Lord, to lay hold of this and take it as your gift to us. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. Amen.